Blog Talk Radio. to Big Brother House Guests, Survivor Castaways, and the Amazing Racer Racers? That's right. Here at the Rad Reality Show Network, and we have so many other guests. Well, welcome to the show tonight, our Thursday night Survivor show. If you guys have a question on Survivor, you guys can call in um, 347-237-5506. Let's, let's have a great show, guys. Welcome, fans. It's September 22nd, 2016. It's that time of year to begin our Mike and the Mike show with host Mike Albright, the number one survivor of all time. So please join in by dialing one three four seven two three seven five five zero six and chat with Mike about Survivor Millennials versus Gen X. Please remember to press the number one key on your phone once you're on our switchboard. That lets me know that you're ready to join us on air. We all watched an amazing season premiere of Survivor last night on CBS, and we have a lot of things to talk about tonight. So let's bring up our host and get this party started. We have Mike Albright. Mike, it's so good to have you back this season. How are you? Mike, are you there? Mike, are you with me? Yeah, I couldn't hear you for a couple minutes, but I'm here, yeah. How are you? Welcome back. I'm doing great. I had a uh, very busy and exciting summer and first uh, uh, first day of us. Uh, fall i guess but yeah a lot going on a lot of survivor related activities the uh, durham warrior survivor challenge survival challenge happened and um had a wedding to go to and all this summer found love too so it was an exciting uh been an exciting few months since uh, our last season how are you doing sherry 
I'm good. What was that last thing you said? I uh, finally found a lovely lady and uh, got into a relationship. We've been dating for, I'm pretty sure, our first date is uh, our two-month anniversary. So, yeah, it's, it's a whirlwind, exciting time. Oh, my gosh, Mike. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Yeah, we uh, we met online and uh, had a lot of common interests and some amazingly some uh, similar places in our past. We both attended Wright State University for a time, which is here in Dayton, Ohio, and we also both lived and worked at the University of Mississippi. So it's amazing how small world it can be with seven billion people on it. Wow. What a small world. I am thrilled for you. You know, I have to say, I saw the the post you made where you put on your school jacket for your reunion. And I know we're going off topic here a bit right at the top of the show. But I have to tell you, you looked fabulous. You looked like you were still in high school when you put that jacket on. You continually look younger as you are losing the weight. You keep looking younger and younger and younger. And it's amazing to me. You just look fabulous, Mike. Well, I, I really I appreciate it. Run away. Yeah, I, uh, I'm officially over 50%, which is nuts. I've lost more weight than I weigh. I've Lost 262 pounds and weigh. The last time I weighed was uh, Tuesday night, and I was right at 258.0 pounds. So yeah, it's pretty, you've, pretty phenomenal. You've lost uh, 262 and you weigh 250. What? I weigh 258 now, so I lost at least 262 pounds, possibly more. Oh my gosh! So you've lost more than you currently weigh. Yeah, I'm over 50%. My neck went down 5 inches. My waist is down 16 inches. And uh, I gained an inch on my inseam. My my shirts went from like a 6X tall to like a large or an extra large. And like I said, the pants reduced too. It's it's crazy. Uh, A lot more energy. It's just uh, an exciting time. I feel great look younger, and uh, my voice, I think, even sounds different, which is crazy, but yeah. Your voice sounds incredible. I mean, when you first started this show, there was a, there is a huge difference in your voice. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You, There was a lot more breath, you know, having to, to breathe harder and... And it was just a different voice. Now you sound wonderful. You look wonderful. It, it's just an amazing transformation. And I, I'm just so happy for you. When you said you said that right at the end, and sort of slid that in on me, and I had to I had to make sure I was hearing what I thought I heard. Um, that you had found someone, and we hadn't spoken a lot since you, you know, ended um, last season. You know, we we say you know hi here and there, and but we don't talk every day. And 
I had no idea that you were, you know, were dating somebody on a regular basis, and I'm just over the moon thrilled for you. So yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to have a conversation off air, and you're gonna have to be filming in on all these details. So. <laughs> oh, I sure will. But uh, her name is Isabel, and she's a phenomenal woman, and I care about her so much. She was actually we were at a viewing party last night for the premiere of uh, Survivor 33 and the uh, finale of Big Brother Season 18, so it was cool. She got to meet her first three survivors, which was really cool. And um, I was hoping her first survivor she could meet would be Roger like mine, but he ended up being third. He was uh, a little late to the party. Not not late, but, you know, like five minutes later than some other people. But we had a – it was a great time, and it was a – charity auction for uh, Reality for Diabetes that my friend Derek won. So it was for six people to have dinner with uh, Marcus Lehman from Survivor Gabon and Matt Bischoff from Survivor Caramoan, fans' favorites too, and then Roger Bingham from Survivor Australia. So it took place at Matt's house, and Marcus brought uh, a lot of vegan and vegetarian food. So that kind of fit well with my health kick. And luckily, Matt's wife, Tessa, has a contact at uh, Channel 12 here in Cincinnati. It's the most popular uh, reality TV station in the wor- in the country and the world. So the most people in the world from our, the watch re- Survivor are from the Cincinnati, Northern Kentucky, and Indiana area. And she was there uh, interviewing people, and she heard about my story. Matt was mentioning everything that happened so they actually interviewed me as well so i don't know if how we can i don't know if we can capture that audio if it's any way possible but the video i shared it's pretty cool and uh they they got to talk to me about the surgery but also the weight loss and the survivor passion i have and they're trying to get on it that's incredible mike that so is I don't awesome. Know how, I don't know if we can play it or not, but it was a good, you know, two and a half minute video, and uh, there's a lot of shots of me, and uh, they, you know, just asking about my journey, and you know, one of the big reasons I wanted to get healthy, besides just my health, was how much I love the show, and I wanted to be a viable contestant, and the only big drawback I thought I had was the physical side of it. Now, you know, I'm a great candidate for the show. And that's why I'm working on getting an application video in by the the fall to compete for season 35 or 36. So it should be a great opportunity. I hope I at least get a call from somebody in casting at SEG. Well, I'd be shocked if I didn't, but yeah. Oh my gosh. That would be so incredible. We have a call on the switchboard from your area code. Do you know who that might be? Um, it could be Isabel. I don't know. She might be. She might be on. Uh, it could be one of my fellow friends and fans. I'm not sure who's on there. You can surprise me. I don't know who it is. I didn't have a guest lined up unless. Uh, I'm not sure. It's a 937 number. Yes. Yeah, should I screen it or should I bring it up? And find uh, out on air. Um, I'm not 100% who it is. You might want to do a quick screening. I don't know. I don't know how long that'll take. Okay. I'll let you go ahead and just talk to the fans for a moment and 
talk about how much you enjoyed last night's show, and I'll run off and screen the call. Okay. Well, for everyone listening, uh, I thought it was a anytime the survivors more than an hour long, they get to cram a lot more interesting things. And in this this uh, season, we didn't do a preview show uh, just for different scheduling reasons. But I think we have an amazing cast. I wasn't, you know, the theme the theme itself. Is interesting. I wasn't 100% sure I liked the logo, but now that I've seen the logo and it's, you know, grown on me, uh, the whole generational thing with millennials versus Generation X, uh, I've talked about this before in some classes I've done uh, with team building with some of my student leaders. Um, I'm definitely a Generation X person and just the way I'm wired and I connected to the Generation X tribe. I appreciate the millennials. I work with millennial students so listening to them talk and seeing how they interact that 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 reminded me a lot of my students uh but i really enjoyed the cast i was kind of late to getting even to watch the uh the promo videos of each of the people i finally caught that i think last week finally got through them all they're not very user-friendly on cbs.com anymore unless you're all access but uh i i really enjoyed the cast and i was excited for the for the premiere and I was getting interviewed by channel 12 literally right before the thing started and my interview wrapped um, right before. So I actually missed like the first five or 10 seconds, but I had watched it already online at cbs.com and what a great episode. Yeah. We will, uh, we'll be able to hopefully get that audio on a clip for you some at some time in the future. We won't be able to play it on tonight's show but hopefully I'll be able to get that audio on a clip so we can play it on future shows. Oh, cool. Um, do you have the caller screened? And I'm going to go ahead and bring her up with us now because right. it is your Isabel. Hi, Isabel. Hi. Thank you so much for calling in. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Well, welcome. Uh, and I, I guess Cherry and I are old jaded reality fans, and uh, you're you're more – uh, you're, I know you're a fan of reality TV, just not as vehemently as some of our listeners, but you were watching the race, you know, before we met. But what was it like to meet some actual people from the show, and how was your experience last night? It was fine. It was good. No, you're not to kind of listen to their experiences and kind of some of what they went through, little tidbits of how things went down and, you know, things that happened that wasn't on during their series that didn't actually get displayed on them. So, um, and how did you like the vegan and vegetarian cuisine we had? Uh, Marcus Lehman is a is a physician, and he made some some vegan and vegetarian food. So we're both on a health kick. I don't know what Isabel yes. speak for herself and her recent uh, health <laughs> sensation she's gone through. But how did you like the the cuisine we had? It was really good. The casserole he made was awesome. I'm gonna have to get that recipe from him. I don't know what was in it, but it was really good. And the lasagna was good, too, that he made. It was all delicious, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and from not seeing a whole lot of Survivor, uh, just uh, I'm just kind of curious your take on the uh, hour-and-a-half premiere. What did you think? Were you were both uh, fit into the Generation X category? I don't want to put out my lady friend's age, but she's definitely in Generation X. I am and <laughs> Um, I, I'm not sure, Sherry, if you're an X or if you're a beyond Generation X. I don't want to put that out either, but I guess what would your take <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a new 
newer fan or with a whole rabid bunch of super fans. I guess you got to meet a bunch of my friends that I knew. So I hope that was a fun experience. But just how was the the episode from your perspective? It was good. It was well, kind of, I'm certainly... I've seen some of the older ones, so it's kind of a switch. I haven't watched a lot of the shows, but like I started season two today, just to try to go through them all and um, kind of get caught up, as it were. But yeah, it was kind of night and day just between like seasons one and two, what I've watched so far, and with the newer one being handed food and. Honest and that right off the bat, just just some differences, but it was fun. It was good. Sherry, were you making a comment there, or I'm certainly rooting for the Gen X. Um, yes, but I think we might get some surprises from the millennials. Like you know, they won the first challenge, um, and I think they'll you know they might surprise us in some areas. But I'm certainly rooting for the Gen X, um, and I think in a lot of ways they will they will do some things that I think will prove themselves. I hope. <laughs> I do too. Um, I thought it was interesting how both tribes their inability to count because there's ten people on each yes. tribe and. Uh, <laughs> We had the four millennials that got together really quickly, which consisted of Taylor and Jay, uh, Michelle and Figgy, which is an interesting name, Jessica Figuero. But then they were like, we've got four people. And I'm like, well, you've got six people that aren't part of your numbers. And I thought that might just be a millennial thing. But also the Generation X tribe or the Takali tribe, they also had a weird numbers count down where their majority group was like, well, we'll split the vote three and three. And I'm like, well, just because these people aren't currently talking to each other, if you split the vote three to three, if you have to go to tribal council, there's going to be four people left. So I thought it was interesting counting by a bunch of people. And a lot of these people, Sherry, appear to be at least half are actually fans. I didn't think like we had a lot of, you know, crazy recruiting. A lot of these folks I've I'm aware of and from talking to him briefly on social media, some of these people have been trying to get on the show for years. So, I don't know. And, you know, we've heard that so many times, you know, by people who have gotten on, not just Survivor, but, you know, a lot of reality shows, um, Big Brother, Survivor, The Amazing Race, um, people who have tried, you know, five, six, seven, eight, sometimes 10 years or more, um, you know, they they send in videotapes and, and try over and over and over again. And then one year, for some, you know, whatever reason, they fit the profile that they're looking for that season. And they make it on. But each year, yeah, that's a big... you know, they're looking for a, a certain type of person. And when, you know, your personality fits whatever they're looking for, that's when you'll make it, you know. But it it just happens that it might be, you know, a number of years before you fit that, that recipe that they have. For the show, and so I always tell people, never give up. Don't get disappointed if you don't make it the first 
you know, year or two that you're you send in your your video, it's not that you know they don't want you forever. You just didn't fit the recipe they have for that season. But a couple of years from now, you might be just the person they're looking for. Yeah. So don't get disappointed. And that's what um, Siandre C.C. Taylor, I was just checking out her uh, Facebook page, and she was one of the few that's added to me. I haven't really gone persistent trying to add this new cast. The ones I've asked have asked to have added to me, which is cool. But it, I guess she had been trying for 10 years, so that's hmm. awesome that she, uh, you know, you know, got in there and got to the mix. We didn't really do a preview uh, preview episode for this cast, so do you want to kind of go through the cast and just kind of get your initial vibe on them and then – now watching them actually play the game, how you feel? Do you want to – that's something you want to – I know for one thing um, when we were – I was making notes when we were – when the vote came up, and I couldn't even – I they didn't really show Lucy, the older Asian-American cast member on the Generation X. I didn't even know what her name was, so that made me feel bad as a fan, but I wish she had been shown a little bit more. Sure, we can do that if you'd like. Uh, I'm just going to go alphabetically from their last name. It's, it's how they were listed online. Um, Rachel. Oh, boy. Rachel Aiko from uh, Los Angeles, California, 37 years old, a uh, member of the Takali tribe. I did not like her on her one minute and minute and a half sizzle uh, video online. And during the episode, just instant abrasiveness. I just... Uh, I was trying to put like, dislike, or neutral, and some people I left blank, And uh, but she was one of my definitive dislikes. I did not like her. What was your take, Sherry or Isabel? Yeah. Go ahead, Isabel. Uh, I don't remember thinking me. I don't like her. I didn't like her either. Kind of that same thing. Ugh. Sorry. Just her personality was very strong, which is a good reason to get on the show. I guess she formerly... Did some work for Playboy, so, I mean, she wasn't an unattractive person physically, but some of her personality was not attractive at all, I didn't think. It's like arguing with uh, Paul, yeah. Yeah, I didn't find her that attractive either. Um, And she did have an abrasive personality um, in a way. She was one of those people that's just sort of in your face. Mm-hmm. And for no real reason like there wasn't even reasons to be in people's face and they were just like it was like combativeness and um, I can kind of see what happened toward the end of the episode for sure um, so that was kind of my initial take uh, the next one alphabetically is Michaela Bradshaw from the Vanua tribe uh, the millennials in orange she's uh, 25 and from Fort Worth, Texas I my notes just kind of said dislike. I didn't really. I was really into her video to start with, and on the show, she didn't do a whole lot. But uh, I think she really took offense to some of the uh, Generation X's when Paul and Cece were kind of talking about what what it means to be a millennial from a Generation X perspective, and her face was just wrinkling up like crazy. So I like the nonverbals. I just didn't get a instant connection with her. So did you, either of you ladies have a opinion on Michaela? 
I think she seems to be a like a strong woman. Um, I don't I don't have anything bad to say about her yet. Um, she seems like a, a very independent, strong woman, mm-hmm. and she may go far as long as she doesn't. You know, step on anybody's toes too hard. Um, she seems like she could be a leader. I and I could see that. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, you know, it's hard to say. Just you know, going off bios and in one episode, we haven't seen a whole lot yet. So yeah, that's the that's definitely the hard part. yeah. I haven't really dug into their bios to get more specific uh, tidbits. We'll have that for future episodes for sure. Uh, Sunday Burquest uh, from Gen X. She's 45 from Otsego, Minnesota. So that's an interesting name, Sunday. Um, I was kind of neutral on Sunday. No, not real positive or negative. Uh, but she had a good personality. She's a mom. I think they said she had... Like four kids? Four. I think it was four, yeah. So she seemed strong. She didn't seem really in a, any bad positioning after the first episode. Um, was right in the power structure, so that's good. She didn't seem detrimental to the group and uh, seemed pretty strong to me. Sherry, what was your take? What was your perspective on uh, Sunday? I, I like her. Um, and it may be because I did see a little bit more on her from a video about the fact that she's gone through breast cancer. And um, then applied for Big Brother, I mean, for Survivor. And she, you know, talked about how she she came through breast cancer and they she's been watching Survivor since it started and she told her kids that I'm going to be on that show one day and her kids laughed at her and then she got breast cancer and she made it through that and after she got all cleared from that she said you know what I survived this now it's time for me to be another kind of survivor and she said she decided to start sending in her, her videos and do what she said she was going to do and prove to her kids that she could get on the show and could be a survivor. And so she was just determined. And to me, that's somebody that, you know, walks the walk, you know, after they talk the talk. Mm-hmm. And I have to respect that. And uh, I hope she does well. I don't. I don't know how strong she's going to be in competitions, but I wish her the best. Okay. For sure. Um, next up is Jessica Figgy Figueroa, and she's 23 and from Nashville, Tennessee, from the uh, Millennial Group, and she pretty much almost instantly. Got pulled into an alliance, which I thought that was interesting how quickly that group 
that group came together from that millennials group. The cool kids is one of the other cast members were saying it like in the, it's interesting how high school mm. comes out in this show all the time with if people feel part of different, you know, arrangements with their social groups. Um she seems strong. Um I I think she'll be good eye candy. I don't know how strong it is to get in an alliance with three people versus six other ones, but if the millennial group keeps winning the challenges, which when they've divided by age before, um, usually the younger group does better. So I think she's got a got a pretty good shot. What did you think of Figgy? As well? Hmm. Oh. I'm more just to listen. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not prepared. I feel unprepared. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see how our two boys do in their little alliance and all that good stuff. That's fair. Um, Chris Hammonds from, uh, he's 38. From Moore, Oklahoma, I guess if there was a physical person relatively closest to me out of this whole bunch. Let's say um, gingery tall. <laughs> gingery tall guy. Uh, yeah, Chris Hammond. So I put definitely like because he seems like a strong guy. He's from Oklahoma, and uh, one of our recent adventures was I got to finally get to Oklahoma, helping one of Isabel's friends move back home. So we got to do a sweet road trip out there. So and one of my best friends is from Oklahoma, Steve Pickett. So I got to pull for the guy from Oklahoma. So he, I liked Chris. And he seemed like a natural leader. I don't think he wanted to do anything in a leadership perspective intentionally, but I think it just kind of gravitated towards him. And I think he's going to probably be in a good position if his if um, Gen X loses a few. He seems pretty strong and also is in a numbers position with the girls and the guys. So I think he's in a pretty, pretty strong position after one episode and from the previews. Yeah, he's a yeah, trial lawyer too. So he, right. He, he's a, he should be able to read people very well. You know, trial, trial lawyers have to be able to read people and read a jury. So, he should be able to read his fellow tribe mates very well. Yeah, past people with any litigation experience have that's usually been a pretty strong thing to strong 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 characteristic. So he was one of the ones that really stuck out to me the whole episode. There were a few that were getting a lot of airtime and we're already starting to learn about so they want to support. So it's either good or bad. There's some people that are probably gonna do well that didn't get a huge edit the first first episode, but I think Chris was presented in a pretty good way, showed to be strong. Um, next up alphabetically is Lucy Wong. Um, she's 42 from Diamond Bar, California, and she's the one I had to look up after the episode to even write down who she voted for, because I just don't think we learned much about her uh, going into yeah. it. She seemed, she seemed interesting going in. Um so I definitely put neutral for her, but after the episode, I was just kind of like, where was she? So that could be really good. That could be, you know, really bad. So, what? anyone, any ladies have a feeling on Lucy? They seem to be pretty, yeah, they didn't. Go ahead. 
Yeah, she seems pretty quiet, but maybe just kind of get a lay of the land, see where she fits in, but you might see more of her in the next one, who knows. Okay. Um, so she grew up as a latchkey kid with very little parental supervision. Um, hmm. So she had a lot more responsibilities and was expected to fend for, for herself or her and her siblings were. Um, they were extremely obedient and knew her parents uh, worked very hard and they never wanted to disappoint them. Um, so it sounds like she came from a a family who, you know, had rules and, and expected them to be applied and very hard-working family. So... I think she's going to expect the same from her her fellow tribe mates, and if they don't work hard, I think she's going to have a problem with it, you know? I think so, and that may be why she didn't have to be as social as some of the other people seem like they needed to be. Maybe she's just used to kind of an independent thing, so maybe that'll be bode well for her that she, you know, hasn't overcommitted to a group too quickly. So maybe that that, that will be you know, help her out. Um, not a huge edit. Um, going in, I, I really, I liked this guy's video. He really popped on his, uh, his intro video. And during the episode is Adam Klein, 25 from San Francisco, California. He's the one that, you know, called Jeff Probst and you got a re- they got a reaction from Jenna X. Like, I don't know. He seemed like a energetic guy. I think, Somebody looks like they kind of won a leadership role, but we didn't really see where his allegiance was much during the episode. He was someone that wasn't really part of some of the social dynamics that were that were shown. But uh, I liked Adam, and from the, from the pre-show and during the show, I seem to like him. He seems like he's not in any threat. He's not, you know, under or over a line. So, did you guys like Adam? He seems to be a kid that has his head on pretty straight. Um, and I I think he, I, how to say this, he's, he's seen what not working will get you because he's a homeless shelter manager. Yep. So he sees what happens, you know, to people if you don't, you know, work hard and, you know, do something with your life. So I think, I I think he's got more going on in, in his head than a lot of people, you know, may give him credit for. I would agree. And I and think he, he might really have to better with, with the uh, Gen X group, just because some of the, some of the millennials seem to like, you know, really click with each other. And I think he, I think he would click with that group as well, but, I could see him working with the Gen X group pretty well too. Just it just seemed his demeanor was strong to work with pretty much anyone he knew. Totally agree. Totally agree with that statement. I think some of the millennials will will be able to blend in with the Gen Xers much easier than others and he's one that will definitely be able to mesh with the Gen Xers easily, I think. 
picture. Um, next up alphabetically, probably one of my favorite people in watching his intro video. I was, I was like, this guy's pretty cool, uh, Brett LaBelle. But when I actually watched his show, I liked him even more. He had some great lines, and I just liked his uh, that that northeastern accent, just his just demeanor with working when he was interacting with poor David, who was freaking out about everything. But Brett LaBelle would probably be one of my few favorites going in right now. So Brett, Brett, I, I really like Brett. He's uh, from he's 42 Gen X from uh, Dedham, Massachusetts. What was your take on Brett, ladies? I like the guy with his personality, and then um, police and for or law enforcement. I kind of have a tie with that since I've worked in that and have a lot of family history with that. So kind of pulls me to him for a little bit because of that. But it should be. We'll see how he does. Hopefully, he does good. And a different demeanor than some of the other uh, police officers. We've seen a wide range of police in the past. I'm thinking like Tony from Cagayan, just so so much more of an intense, in-your-face presence. And I, I've seen that among police officers I've worked with. And but uh, Brett seems more of just like a you know happy-go-lucky, just a nice officer you'd interact with. It's hey, is there a cat in your tree, or you know like how can I help you? <laughs> like your car not starting? Like he just seems real jovial and. There's an intensity there too. I'm not saying he's like, like a mall cop or anything. Just, uh, but it's this whole personality I really dug. So I liked. I like. I think he does stand up, doesn't he? Oh, does he? Because he's got a good. He's got a good comedic timing. His wit was strong, so I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. I'll read up on the bios for next week. I think he does some stand-up. Um, I was starting to write some of this out and trying to take some notes on some of these cast members before. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have my notes in front of me right now, but I believe that he's the one that does some stand-up. And I can see that with him because... I'm almost positive he's the one. Um, he does have that that comedic personality, and you, you add his East Coast um, sort of swagger to his his talk, and it's just, it comes across even funnier because of the the East Coast um, I don't know if it's an accent or what you want to call it but you know the way they talk in in, in that part of, of our country you know it's not coffee it's cough you know they, have, they just have a different way of yep. saying certain things and he's just funny he adds a little bit of cop and a little bit of comedy to a lot of things he says and but he has a heart he has a big heart you can tell that too and i think he's going to be a lot of fun to watch i hope they don't get him out for a long long read people well like he was eyeballing david thought he was acting squirrely so yeah i like him uh jessica lewis 37 from Voorheesville, New York, on the uh, on Gen X. 
Um, early on, one thing that I found interesting is she saw something on the ground and grabbed that after I'm trying to see. I, I didn't rewatch. I only saw the episode. I was at the party. In like, the envelope, yeah. Yeah, somebody else passed it up. I don't recall who passed it up, but I know that Jessica picked it up and got an interesting new twist that um, something hasn't really been there before is uh, an advantage that will be coming out later. So she makes it to day 36. She gets some kind of advantage. I guess we can... Legacy advantage. Yeah, legacy advantage. So hopefully this isn't like the medallion of power or something that's kind of a want-want, like big deal. I'm curious what this is going to be. Um, any ideas there, Sherry? I, I don't know myself, but... Well, it stated that she has to be there for 36 days, and if she's there for 36 days, she gets an advantage to the game. If she is voted out, it has to be willed to another um, castmate. So it didn't state what type of advantage. It just uh, you know said that she has to be there for 36 days in order to get it, and if she is voted out, then it's willed to someone else. And she's like, well, nobody else is getting this but me because I will be here for 36 days. <laughs> and she was very smart to get it. She was very smart to take it out in the woods where nobody could see her reading it mm-hmm. and keep it to herself, not share it with anybody, not let anybody know that she has it. Very smart moves. You can tell she's watched Survivor. Well, she's someone we should keep our eyes on, I think. Um, she's also dealing with a uh, possible medevac situation, so I hope she can make it to day three. Yes. She's got old Bob Costas' eyes going on with uh, some kind of uh, with a cyclone that we'll get to, uh, severe tropical cyclone Xena, the warrior tropical storm, but blew some sand into one eye and irritated that, and the infection got into her other eye, so... Um, I wasn't really, she wasn't a person I was really digging. I kind of was neutral, but she's definitely an interesting character. I think she's got a good head on her shoulders. So I liked, I liked her, but I wasn't like, oh my God, she's awesome. But savvy enough to grab that clue and hopefully she's around till day 36. Um, next up is Ken McNichol, 33 from Denver, Colorado. And when he started talking, his voice totally didn't match his look to me at all. I didn't, I liked his video. He had a real interesting thing, kind of was off the grid for, what, five years or so until he found out he had a kid, and then kind of that brought him back into uh, civilization. But it seems like somebody that is good at the survival component of the game. I don't think I'll have any issue with that. Um, I liked his demeanor. He kind of looked to me like a millennial, even though he's a little, I could tell his age was old enough to be in Gen X, but he just reminded me of, um, kind of like a model type. I don't, I don't know what his day, his day job is, but I I liked Ken. I definitely put him in the like category. His occupation is a model. Well, there you go. He looks like a model. (laughs) He is a model. Look, I think he was a model. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But uh, he's definitely good on the easy on the eyes, I would say. And I'm a guy, and I'll even say that. He's not an ugly <laughs> man by, by any means, and he's a model. Um, but I thought Ken was pretty cool, though. I liked him. I liked the way he related to the group. Uh, he seemed a little out of the alliance structure, though, from the kind of the conversations. He seemed 
you know, in the middle or not really with the the power. So I'm curious how that's going to bode for him because he seemed pretty strong in the the challenge we saw. I don't know. That's my take. What do you guys think of Ken? I agree with everything he said. I think, like you said, I I thought he communicated with the group very well. He didn't try to be too bossy. He didn't try to, like, you know, tell people you do this and, I, and you do that. And But he had good ideas. He knew what he was talking about. And he, he wanted to, you know, get it done because the storm was coming. And he knew he had background in how to build a shelter and so he wanted to you know try to help he just didn't want to come off and say okay I'm going to you know take over here and start telling people what to do so he, he just communicated it in a way that was very easy going on everybody and I thought that was him being very mindful of his words and how he was talking to everybody, and that was very good to see, you know, on the first episode, because that's where some, a lot of people make the big mistake on the first episode when they're trying to, you know, get the shelter built, and somebody comes in and starts trying to to be boss and tell everybody, you know, okay, I'm going to take over because somebody needs to, and so you start doing this, and you do that, and you, you know, and it rubs people the wrong way. He I liked was, when, uh, when, he, when he piped up when Paul wasn't necessarily, he was trying to motivate the Gen X group. It was uh, he, had a, he was minimizing the millennials a little bit, and that's when Ken was like, yeah, we don't want to underestimate any of our opponents. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I really liked it. You know, there weren't any millennials there to live here that, but the other tribe, the whole tribe got to hear, and they not to take anyone for granted. So, yeah. Yeah, he, he, and he was exactly right. You know, you, you, you know, you start thinking you've got got them beat, and that's when you know they're going to sneak up behind you and and take you down. You know, and so he was spot on again, but he didn't do it in such a way that was real abrasive. Mm-hmm. And so nobody got their feathers ruffled over it, which. To me, if he can go through the entire game making statements like that and not ruffle anybody's feathers, that's a big plus in his, you know, on his side. So I just hope that he can, like you say, sort of get into an alliance mode and get himself aligned with a few people. For sure. Um, so, yeah, I think we're on a similar page from Michelle Schubert, 28, from Yakima, Washington, from the Vanua tribe, the Millennials. Uh, she's a Bible, uh, well, she's a missionary, but she also does, like, Bible sales and a lot of stuff with her faith. Um, one of my friends uh, helped get her in on the show, so that was kind of cool to see, you know, his first, you know, casting thing to get somebody through, so that was always cool when they get somebody on, and she seemed real bubbly, full energy, and she really linked up with a, she's got a great, strong connection with uh, Taylor and Jay, they've already got an alliance formed, and 
She's the kind of person, though, that her faith is really strong for, but she also was in her video was talking about, you know, using a showmance if she had to. So we'll see uh, We'll see how she how far she goes. But I put her in the uh, – I'll put her in the like column. I like her better than Figgy right now. So. And she's adorable. And I like the fact that she was talking about how, you know, a few people – are putting their their trust in her simply because of what she does, you know, and and she has, you know, faith, you know, in God, and, and, and she's a missionary recruiter. And so, you know, they think that because she has, you know, this missionary, she does this missionary work and, and she's religious that they can, you know, put their faith in her and, and trust in her and she's like, that's a good thing, you know. They want to trust me. That's great, you know. <laughs> that's good for me. And so I think in the way she said it, it was sort of like, let them trust me, you know. If I have to, you know, break that trust later on, I'll do it. You know, she didn't say those words, but it was sort of what she didn't say that sort of led you to believe that. Yeah, it was all so, it was all implied. I think she's the one that would ride the edge with that, and I and I don't. It's hard when like you know, Lil the Boy Scout leader was put in a certain position, or if you're religious, you are like, um, just because you're a religious person doesn't mean you you can't do certain things you need to do in a game like that. I mean, the morals and ethics of the survivor are always interesting with what you disclose and what you don't, but to to be able to try to balance that all out, I think is We'll see how she can do with that, if she can actually do it. Right. I mean, you you can go on a game called Survivor and do what you have to do to to win that game and set that aside from your your faith in God, you know, because this is a game. I consider myself highly ethical and moral in my professional life, but if we're playing a if I'm playing a game with somebody, I'm gonna try to destroy them so yeah if you're not paying attention why should i if we're playing monopoly and you and i land on you've got a hotel on part boardwalk and i land on it and you're not paying attention i'm not going to be the one that says hey i'm going to give you two thousand dollars if you're not paying attention to your own game that's your problem not mine oh man after my own heart there you go so wait till we play monopoly it's on we're both competitive so it's awesome yeah yeah, that was one of our first things we did was, uh, I think it was at the third or fourth date, I had a family third, reunion, yeah. we were break, breaking into different uh, groups, and we were on the same, we were on the blue team, and blue team won, because we're winners. So Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. To, half of my family dominated the other half, so it was it was awesome to work in a tandem, and we actually led the charge on the team. We were pretty instrumental in in our victory. So so you can balance that out for sure. Uh, next up is Hannah Shapiro, 24, from West Hollywood, California. Uh, at the viewing party, I told Marcus, you reminded me of Sophie Jr. Um, from the win, Sophie Clark winner of South Pacific, which was back in season 23, 10 or five years ago, 10 seasons ago. Um, I liked her energy. I like that she's a fan. She knows the game. 
But she seemed a bit like a fish out of water, especially with that uh, that group of millennials. I, but I, I thought she – I'm rooting for her, but I don't know how well she's going to do. Agreed, yeah, she seemed kind of awkward, and she kind of laughed at herself a little bit, which I liked. But yeah, I'll be curious to see if she can find a little niche within the group or not. Good analogy, too. I I think she might come out of her her shell a little more as we see her, but she is certainly sort of that that nerdy nerd, but she she seems like a fun girl too, you know. Um she describes herself as nerdy, competitive and weird. But also um, says millennial means being hip, cool, nifty, and totally rad. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, we'll see. We had a I similar person last season. We had a similar person last season that seemed pretty uh, close to hand in a lot of ways. Even did poorly in a challenge and made it all the way to the final two. So maybe Hannah's uh, akin to, to Aubrey. Who knows? She might she might have some lasting power if she makes the right connections. All right. I think sometimes a lot of people don't see somebody like her as a threat at all. You nope. know. And sometimes pretty far if they don't feel her, she's threatening. Yeah. All right. And oftentimes they'll you know sort of just slide under the radar. Um, and make it quite far, just like we saw last year. And if she can do that, you know, she might make it quite far in this game, just like last year. Yeah. And as people gun for each other, I don't really see her, as long as she doesn't mess up in a challenge, um, she could definitely get to the merge. If, as long as they, especially if the millennials are winning, then they're knocking off the Gen Xers and Xing them out. She could she could go pretty far. Yeah. Um, next up alphabetically, probably the most entertaining person for this <laughs> season so far. Um, he's going to be a huge character. He's eccentric and weird. Zeke Smith, twenty eight from Brooklyn, New York. I I liked his video. I I liked it when they showed him on the uh, the short video at the finale. He seems like he's going to be a big character and um, not really in that majority group we've seen, but he's in the group of six, so that's probably even better. But uh, I definitely put a huge like by Zeke. Yeah, he, uh, he's, he's another one that I think will certainly merge well with Gen Xers, and he even said himself, he's never once considered called himself a millennial. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took notes on something that he said. Um, hate Twitter, but yeah, I use it, but I hate it. <laughs> Yeah, the Twitter bit was hilarious. It's like, I hate Twitter, but I'm on it because I think he was like, I want followers on my Twitter, but I don't like it. Like, 
Yeah, he's kind he of said, a I live in Brooklyn. In he said, I live in Brooklyn. I don't know how to build a shelter. But you know what? I stepped up. I did it. Um, against all odds, I have become the leader of the camp. I never think about myself as the person who feels adept out here in the outdoors. I'm not that kind of person. But I'm very intrigued by the idea of proving how tough I am. And so in a weird way, Survivor is helping me to rise to to my potential. I never in a million years thought I was going to be the guy to make fire without flint. I feel like a milestone has been reached in my life. They say Survivor changes people. I feel like I've already changed. I'm growing as a person out here. And to me, I think he... (laughs) He blew his own self away when he literally stepped up and made fire for the first time without Flint. He was literally just blown away that he did that. And he was like a a kid in a candy store happy. Yep. You know, he was able to do that for his, his tribe mates and for himself. And I think that's a moment he will never ever forget. For sure, I very strong. I think he's got some longevity in this game, and we'll see. He's the kind of person that I I just have an early vibe that I think he's gonna do well, and we may see him again. So who knows? It's something I just he's got. He just resonated with me. It seems almost like Ty, just that instant popularity, and also he was pretty open about his sexuality, which. Is you know, big deal to talk about. He didn't really tell the group, but I don't think for sure if he did, but he definitely was on the program. I don't think he did. Yeah, but he was talking about it to us so we could connect to people. So that, he just seems cool, and I really liked him. Um, uh, next up is Jay Starrett, Justin Jay Starrett from uh, D27 from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, I think he stole Joe Anglum's hair. Um, and he's got a handsome face, fun guy. Um, seemed like a millennial that knew how to work, and he, uh, I liked him, but he had a pretty instant connection. Like, he and Taylor, like, I think they were, like, eyeing each other during the casting process because as soon as they could, like, interact with each other, they, like, linked up pretty quick. So Taylor Lee Stocker from uh, – Idaho, and I think he might be the one of the first people from Idaho. I'll have to research that, and we'll get back to that on next week. But I think he might be one of the first, if not the first, from an entire state. But they're pretty; they seem pretty similar to me. I mean, they look different, but their vibes seem pretty, pretty consistent. Any perspectives on Jay or Taylor from you, ladies? I think you're pretty right on. Um, not a whole lot to say. They got a connection, their alliance. And let me make sure I don't miss miss this. The Triforce, which is a re- reference to the Legend of Zelda. So I'm totally digging that, even though I think it's dumb to get in a group of four against six. 
I like the nerdy Triforce Alliance. It's too bad they didn't involve Hannah or the actual professional video game player in a video game alliance nickname. But uh, I like I I think their name's cool, and that transitions to Mari uh, Takahashi, for 31 years old from Los Angeles, California, and she plays YouTube. She she's a YouTube person that does plays video games on YouTube and that's how she makes her business and Sunday on the opening thing was kind of digging like I don't get how these kids can just play video games all day I'm like well that's what Mari does and she's compensated if I could get paid to play Mario Kart what I make to do my job I'd do that in a heartbeat so I just I can't so no one's paying me to play Mario Kart so uh, what do you guys think of Mari the Asian American we got to interact with versus Lucy. Um, like you said, if if I could have played video games for a living, as opposed to getting up and putting on a suit and carrying around a briefcase and having to, you know, do what I did for a living, you know, going out and you know selling big computers, you know. For a living in my earlier days, I would have loved to have stayed home and played video games, you know. Um, so I think millennials have an opportunity like we've never seen before. For sure. To do things like that. And more power to them, you know. I think it's awesome that they can do things like that and make a living like that. And as long as they can make a living at it, go for it, you know. There's nothing that says, there's no rule book in life that says you must be miserable at your job. You know, if you can be happy making a living, that's the key to life, you know. (laughs) And if she can make a living having fun playing video games, more power to her, God bless her for it, you know. And why should we be upset about it, you know? I'm just jealous. I'm not upset with her, but it would be interesting how the Generation (laughs) X people relate once they know what she does, I think. Yeah. But her and Hannah are in a tight group, so I thought that was cool that they kind of linked up. So that's that's a neat alliance there. So I I liked her. I put her in the... uh, in the like column for me. Um, next is Cece. Um, big fan. Glad she got on. She's 39 from Grenada Hills, California. I liked her, and she seemed interesting, and she was right there. I, I don't know if you want to necessarily jump on the bandwagon with Paul, though, when you're talking about things you don't like about millennials when there's 10 of them yeah. on the beach. <laughs> but I did like her just straightforward uh demeanor and just talking about all that stuff which hopefully doesn't hurt her she was kind of out of the loop on the vote entirely she's one of the only people that just voted her own way not with anyone else one of the you know stray votes like uh like rachel's was so i if she doesn't figure out what's going on she could not be much for the game but i did like cc she seemed pretty cool we just didn't get to see a whole lot of her, and I don't know if she's in the best position. True. Uh, 
Second to last on the Gen X group is Paul Watcher from uh, Sugarloaf Key, Florida, and he is 52. He's the oldest member of the group, and uh, long hair, good big personality, does, was re- ready just to jump in and talk about everything. He seems like he'd be vying for the leadership with, uh, with Chris, but uh, I, I put him in the uh, – He's in my like column, but he could be somebody that I, if he doesn't watch what he's doing, I think he could be a big threat and might not make it out of the merge area. Either he could be somebody that heard the group, and then there was a on next time on Survivor, I'm not sure if, hopefully that's not about him. They're talking about somebody having some heart. Oh, the heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I like Paul. He just, I could see him being his own worst enemy. I certainly hope that's not him, but you know, how how many how many could it be about? Um, he or Chris or um, Sam. That maybe, but yeah, I really when you think about it, it, I it those are the, who most likely could be, but you never know. It could be the biggest, strongest guy like Caleb last year, the most physically fit. You know, so who knows what could happen in the challenge. But I generally yeah. like. Them. I was kind of rooting for. Of course, I always, I always kind of root for the old guy, you know, because it's so unlikely that they're going to make it, and they're sort of the underdog. And so I always root for the older people, simply because I respect the older people who have the kahunas to go out and play Survivor to begin with. I agree. And uh, on the flip side, we got the, that was the oldest player and the youngest cast member ever, Will Wall, 18 years old from Long Valley, New Jersey. This kid, and I'm not trying to be demeaning, this young person he <laughs> was still in high school and left. Yes. And I'm not sure who made the jab at him, but somebody was like, I guess you're going to have to get your GED, which I don't mean that's not necessarily a negative thing. But uh, leaving high school to go play the game and just thinking about all the people that have played, there's been some other 18-year-olds, but I think they were high school graduates. But when you heard, if I had heard Will talk, I wouldn't have picked him out to be the eight, you know, the, you know, the 18-year-old pup. So what do you guys think of Will? I, I like him. Yeah. I really do. Um. And like you, he seems to to have an older soul than than eighteen. Um, I wouldn't have picked him out to be that person either, but I think he's going to have a a huge young girl following. Um, and I think he's. In his description on his bio, twice he mentions that he's cunning. And I think he may go far in this game because I think he has a bright mind and is the type that will make moves in this game. I think he'll get, you know, 
a few good people around him and we'll figure out the moves to make. To, I agree. To get him far. Yeah. And he's uh, not over over uh, aligning this time, but I think I could see him maybe going in with those uh, with Mari and Hannah and maybe um, Adam. And just getting a good strong group that'll maybe battle the you know the Triforce, the Abercrombie and Fitch group. So we'll see. And then last is David Wright, who I've been rewatching Seinfeld on DVD and David Wright is neurotic and reminds me of like Larry David light, just overanalyzing <laughs> everything and quirky. Oh my gosh. Yes. Afraid of literally everything. And they were hacking the bamboo and he had his fingers in his ears. And as a fan of the show, I like people that are out of their element, but at some point I'm kind of like, really, I know some people that would be phenomenal on this show. And they've got this interesting character, a TV writer, from Sherman Oaks, California, who's 42. David, what is uh, what do you think of Dave? <laughs> I think it's he's funny a handful. <laughs> you compared him to Larry David. That's so funny. Um, I'm gonna have to tell Rich about that one. Okay. We yeah, both love Larry David. Pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good. So yeah. <laughs> Um, he, he he survived. He uh, he did. The old five three one one vote. One of the I don't believe that vote's ever happened in the history of the show. And but he was definitely a target of several of the women. So he needs to step up. He was supposed to be a, be a big puzzle guy, and he and Rachel at the end have, they were seen puzzled with the puzzle. They didn't do well. So, uh, but to recap, kind of through the episode now that we've been through the players. Um, open it up, they get on the beach, and they get they were provided with several options. And I thought it was interesting what Generation X versus the Millennials chose to do with, with, when afforded their different rewards. I, they both went for the pots. I thought that was smart. But when it came down to the fishing gear or the chicken, um, the always I would have gone straight for the fishing gear because that's a renewable resource. Uh, chickens, not so renewable unless they're, uh, you know, laying an egg. And then that's what one of Taylor mentioned. Like, yeah, to lay eggs, Jeff. But uh, uh, what would you two have done before to the option of? Don't you need a rooster for that? Fishing gear. I certainly would have went for the the fishing gear. Although you know, oh, I yeah. love chicken and I love eggs and I I don't like fish at all. Mm-hmm. But in the game of Survivor you need something that you can depend on on a daily basis that can feed everybody. And even if those two chickens are laying eggs, I don't think it's going to they're going to lay enough eggs to feed everyone. And there's no guarantee that they're egg-laying chickens, you know, there's no guarantees there. And I don't, think, um, I don't foresee any of the millennials skiing and, you know, cutting the chicken to cook it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're already getting close to it and talking about 
naming them, and if if they name them, then there's no chance they're going to kill the chicken. So, yeah, um, I don't see Mark the Chicken coming back um, in Fiji. Um, I liked it when they called the chickens breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I forget which season, but that's really you should disassociate from them. And if it can lay some eggs for a while, great. But winter, winter chicken dinner. That if you're going to take a chicken over fishing gear. You go with that. I also thought it was neat how Jeff specifically mentioned the cyclone season. And then we get a very unique situation where um, the first time they've ever had to just pull the players out. They even gave them a tarp, um, let them give them extra shelter because they knew it was going to be that bad. I guess they had some uh, weather reports. But to pull the people out, for an entire day, unprecedented. I, I was kind of curious. I know it, they probably were just sitting in either a hotel or somewhere at base camp on a sequester where they couldn't speak to each other. But you didn't um, hear you didn't hear that. about what that was like. No. Did they oh my goodness! Unreleased scene or? Actually, I read it from. Um, uh, what was her name? Um, Rachel's exit interview. Oh, okay. And she said that it was her purgatory. She said they were taken to um, this big room that was there at Survivor Camp, and it was a big room with a concrete floor. Everyone was put in the same room together, on a concrete floor with no pillows, no blankets, no anything. And there was a production crew in there with them at all times, and they were told no one was allowed to speak to each other at all because they wanted yep. any discussions to be caught on film, and they didn't have a camera crew in there with them. So no one was allowed to, to speak to each other at all. And so they were you know, just laid there on this concrete floor all night, without being able to speak to each other at all. And she said it was absolute hell. <laughs> and Did the chickens come with them? Did they mention that? or? I was curious I'm sorry? Where the, where the chickens were. All us <laughs> I, the chickens. That's I don't know where the chickens were. I don't know where the chickens were. Um, all I know is what she said about how she felt going in you know, and having to be on this concrete floor uh, and not being able to speak for the entire night, even though they were all in this room. She goes, when we first heard that we were, you know, going to be evacuated, she said, I thought, you know, we were going to at least be able to get away and sort of relax from the game for a brief moment and, you know, have have a moment to where we could sort of relax and, and take a break from the complexities of the game and, and just sort of chat with each other and and sort of have a break. And she goes, what was I wrong? She goes, we, we just got laid out on this concrete floor with no pillows, no blankets, anything. And she goes, and it was absolute silence. Nobody could speak a word to anybody. And she goes, to me, it was my purgatory. She goes, it was just like hell. <laughs> and I was wow. like, oh, man, that 
That would have been horrible. <laughs> so that was what she said in her exit interview. Well, that's interesting perspective. And uh, the Cyclone Zena tore tore up the camp. They had to rebuild. It was neat how they rebuilt. I felt those poor millennials, though. There was it the millennial tribe. Their entire thing collapsed. Yeah, like, collapsed on them. And uh, some of the survivor veterans and alumni at the party and just later online were just ripping the, these people like you guys suck at camp like. But no one else had ever been to a cyclone. There had been a lot of rain, storms, but, you know, for a cyclone, that's, you know, like I think it's like 85 miles per hour, so that that takes a whole other whole other thing. Yeah, she was saying that the sand was hitting her so hard, she said it felt like bullets hitting her. She said it hurt so bad. So I can imagine that, you know, it had to really hurt. Um, you know, they went and got the millennials first and then got the Gen Xers second. And by the time they got them, the storm had already picked up in magnitude pretty bad mm-hmm. by the time they were taking them in. And we saw that uh-huh. on the so show. Yeah, the difference. Mm-hmm. And she said that the wind was blowing sand so bad, she said it felt like bullets hitting them. So I'm pretty sure that's how um, the eye infection, you know, came about and mm-hmm. all all that. She was just the cyclone whipping that sand up and hitting them so hard. I don't think the uh, millennials got it quite as bad as the Gen Xers did. Yeah, they, and I'm glad, I'm kind of glad they got the millennials first because they might have, I don't, I just don't know how they would have handled it. I think the Gen Xers have just more life experience, so they could probably, it's best that they got them last because I don't know if the millennials would have survived if they had to get them first. That may be why they did it that way. (laughs) Probably. It might have been their thinking, too. Could very well be. Yep. <laughs> but um, the challenge I found, uh, and what's interesting, we were on day four. Uh, first episode went four days, which is kind of weird. The only really time that ever happened was kind of a blood versus water that I can recall. But they had a chance to take different advantages in the uh, in the challenge. And if they took the advantage, they just had to do more puzzle pieces. So it was a 50-piece puzzle. And if you did both advantages, it would get up to a 70-piece puzzle. And I, Gen X took both advantages, um, so they had to do a 70-piece puzzle. The Millennials did one advantage, uh, just so they'd get through faster. And it became a showdown between David and Rachel and uh, Michelle and Figgy, the part of their alliance there. And Rachel was talking smack, and David was saying he's a big puzzle guy. And they got pretty much destroyed. They had to swap out, and Jessica and Sunday came in and tried to tried to save the day, but they weren't quick enough. The Millennials just tore it up, got through. And uh, one of the funny quotes I wrote down is that they were on the hatchet, which I had never heard that expression. 
when Chris was talking about what was going on, he's like, yeah, David said he was good on the puzzles. Now he's on the hatchet. Like, like I guess being on the chopping block, then you can get cut by the hatchet. But I don't know what happens with when you're on the hatchet. So I just thought that was a <laughs> and they're snipping it in the bud. Oh, yeah, and they also yeah. somebody else said we got to nip it in the bud. And I'm like, hey, I'm not sure which tribe member you're talking about there, but it's weird when people are out there and they have these weird things like, you know, I don't want to <laughs> rust, rustle any feathers and nip in the butt and on the on the hatchet. I, I hope if I ever get cast on Survivor, I don't say some stupid thing that some people podcast and make fun of months later because I could see that happening. Yeah, I could see that too. <laughs> Because oh. I say a lot of weird stuff. That's one of the. We were in St. Louis, uh, which, not to be going against the Chamber of Commerce of St. Louis, but on our adventure to Tulsa, had all my stuff, almost all my stuff stolen in St. Louis. We were visiting the Arch and the Dred Scott Museum. So I didn't like the hospitality, Matt, we had in your state, Sherry. So I don't know. When were you here? We were. Uh, Labor Day we weekend. Labor Day weekends. I didn't even think to message you. It was that Saturday. Now I'm pissed. Well, yeah, we could have spent more time, and I maybe my stuff wouldn't have gotten jacked. I don't know, but they stole my clothes out of a backpack and uh, my toiletry bag. Now so I'm somebody's mad. Somebody's using my deodorant and toothbrush, and my, my inside was my joke journal where I write down jokes because I want to do stand-up, so... Like 23rd and all over, something like that. We were out, kind of, there's a little tavern place there, tap room, and we just had the car parked there in the parking lot and was gone for a few hours and came back and a couple of things were strewn out of my bag. I'm like, well, that's weird. What the heck happened? I didn't think anything of it. And after we went to dinner, he's like, where's my backpack? Like, oh, crap. And then, Yeah. It's not a good well, time. To be honest little, with you, a little, shopping, little shopping spree, but it's you know Saint Louis. No, that's what you were where at? You know. Where were you at? Out twenty twenty third and something like all over. By the arch, know. about a mile from the arch. I it was a tap room. I hate to say this, but yeah, the tap room. Yeah, I, I hate to say this, but. You're lucky that that's all that happened to you. Well, there's a, every cloud has a silver lining, so we could have been stabbed or shot or yeah. But so I'm glad it was only my my aftershave and my deodorant and my charger. So, but I'm uh, really really upset with you, Michael Albright. <laughs> Sorry, Sherry. We'll go back. It wasn't that far of a drive. We can come see you. When would you like? To, we could do a mic on the mic, uh, li- coming to you live from St. Louis. Not by the arch. Can't believe you came to St. Louis and didn't even give me a call. I'm a horrible person. All I could think of was this beautiful woman I was traveling with. Sorry, Sherry. Aww. <laughs> Isabel, when you see him next, would you give him a slap for me? I will. <laughs> okay, thank you, sweetie. I don't want to be part of an abusive relationship, but oh, yeah, you can slap okay. me and I deserve it. I'll slap myself. Well, I didn't Sherry. want to be I'm in an sorry, abusive but... relationship either, but look what you just did to me, Michael. 
Well, we're how far was uh, <laughs> St. Louis? It was only about six hours, five hours. Yeah, like uh, five and a half, five and a half, six hours. Yeah. We'll make it a point, Sherry. If you can go three hours, we'll go three hours, and why don't we hang out in Southern Indiana someplace? How's that? <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> um. Anywho, next time on Survivor, any predictions? Do you think we're going to get the, uh, you think millennials will visit tribal council? If um, if you had to be betting women, who would you think if uh, Gen X went to tribal again? Who do you think's getting the boot? And if the millennials went, who do you think's going? Okay, I have to go back to names. If the Gen Xers go back, I think Cece, I think is her name. I think she might be in trouble. Okay. She was sort of, she was sort of <laughs> out on her on her own along with um, Rachel when Rachel was. Yeah, hopefully she, she can. Hopefully she can get into a, you know, an alliance and get back in good graces. But she might be in trouble. Um, or David, just because okay. of his paranoia. <laughs> Although I think he could be a lot of fun to keep around. I <laughs> Just would. For I agree sake. with you. <laughs> um, on the millennial side, I don't know. What do you think? I really think for them to show that alliance with uh, the Triforce plus Figgy or Triforce plus Michelle, I forget who was in the Triforce and not. I really think they're strong and they're going to rope in somebody. Um, I'm pretty sure Michaela's safe and Zeke, I'm pretty sure, is safe. Um, I'm just trying to think who might be an outlier. Maybe Hannah or uh, Mari become the casualty in that situation. But somebody else could make uh, some kind of big mistake. Maybe Will's not really grouping up with anybody. Maybe they think he's a threat. Maybe they don't want a high school kid around. But uh, I think the Triforce Plus is safe, and I, I just have a vibe that, you know, Michaela and Zeke are safe. And Adam seems strong, so I I would really I would have to guess Hannah or Mari would be my guess if if they happen to lose. Maybe there's another puzzle, and they say they're going to do a puzzle, and then they don't do well. That's just my that's just where my head's at on that. Yeah, I think Mari might be one that might be. sort of on the the outskirts of that tribe. Um, I 
it's hard to say on that one. I'm I'm just not sure where it'll head. You know, if if it might depend on on how the the challenge goes too. You know, I think a lot of that will depend on on how the challenge who who was the how they perform. Yeah, right. How they how they performed on the challenge. Thank you, Isabel. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I would agree with that so, too. And I could go for Gen X too, yeah. Well, um future episode I'm not sure which one, but Michelle Fitzgerald um is definitely one to do the show. We're just trying to find a good week for her also. Um, Matt and Roger would probably come back I've been trying to reach out to some new people But uh, Marcus was kind of rough For a couple weeks But Marcus Lamon's never done the show And I'm going to try to get him with someone else from Gabon Sherry, so I don't know If there's anyone you want me to specifically talk to I know Corinne does a thing with Max um, I could ask her If she wants to do one since she was part of the Alliance with Marcus So maybe either uh, Corinne, I can Charlie Or Randy yeah, Jillian's done. Jillian's done the show before, so she's pretty solid. I was gonna try to reach out to somebody new. I know Susie recently lost her son, so I don't know how she's feeling. So I'm gonna reach out to some good bone people. I really what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Back up. Back up. Back up. That was on social media. Yeah, I think sometime this summer there was some kind of a traffic accident. I believe. So I think that occurred. I might want to check that, so I don't want to misspeak, but I thought there was some kind of a uh, uh, her son passing, so I might not talk to Susie. But let me see what uh, oh my sugar, gosh. Uh, what sugar or uh, well, definitely not sugar and Corinne on the same show. But I'm gonna reach out to the Gabon people and see if any of them want to come on and chat. Because Bob's done it and Jillian, and I'm going to see. And, but if we could get Randy and Marcus, I think that would be a pretty wild show. So I don't know if I can talk Randy into talking Survivor, but he does some other podcasts. And if Marcus is on there, it'll work. If not, Randy, Charlie, somebody. But we'll see what we can get to happen. I hadn't heard about Sudi's son. I'm just, like, stunned right now. Yeah, I think it was a few weeks ago, maybe even longer than that. So yeah, I would check it out when you can afterwards. But I probably Absolutely. I may I may just see how she's doing. But I could always I don't know if this is a thing that she'd be wanting to do. But um, but I definitely want to make like a Gabon themed episode, and then some people from Korong, and then just the same usual eclectic bunch of past players. There's several people in the mix that I've been trying to get on for a while. So we're reaching out. Um, I talked to Ty, and he just says he sounds terrible online. I don't know if he's just anxious about doing the show, but I don't think Ty wants to. But the co-wrongers, met them all. They're all cool, so we're going to start working them in as soon as they want to. So just stay tuned, and we'll go from there. Sounds great. And, you know, I've had so many people say that about how they sound on radio, and that's so silly. You know, they talk to people on the phone. They're going to sound exactly the same doing a radio show. It's just a, a little radio show. It's not like we're on, you know, CBS radio, you know, going out over, you know, big air airways. You know, this is a little podcast. And 
So let him, you know, try to tell him, you know, this is not a a big ordeal. He can call in and not feel like he's going to be, you know, on some big radio show that's going to be, you know, out there on the airwaves on, you know, national radio or something. It's it's not like that. It's just like calling in and talking to your friends on the phone. I'll try to make that sell. I, I think he's anxious about other things. So we'll see. I'll keep I'll keep being persistent and uh pulling in some maybe old regulars, some of our favorites, so just stay tuned. I know you'll get. Hopefully, one of the only weeks we don't have a guest besides Isabel. You God. always get great guests. <laughs> yeah. We'll pull in some awesome talent. You always have great guests. I know that. And so glad to have to have you back. I'm, I'm just thrilled to have Mike and the Mike back for another season, and I'm looking forward to. The season on, you know, Survivor and the season with Mike and the Mike and what kind of guests you're going to have with us and seeing what happens on this season of Survivor. I think it's going to be an exciting season with Millennials versus Gen X and an exciting season with you um, and the guests that you bring on this show because they always have, you know, great things to say. We always hear some great stories from behind the scenes, and that's what I like to hear. I love the behind the scenes stories, you know, that we always get to hear from the Survivor alumni. So no matter who you bring on, that's my favorite part, is when they open up with their backstories, you know, of what happened to them on Survivor that we've never heard before. Yep, we we always get a lot of scoops and a lot of people feel free to open up. So uh, hopefully that will still continue. Well, they feel comfortable with you because they know you. And so they, you know, they feel comfortable opening up and talking about all those things. And that's the fun part, you know. And it was very nice sort of meeting you, Isabel. You too. If you would have called me <laughs> if you would have called me when you guys were in town, we would have actually met. I'm sorry he didn't do so. Oh a hole, yeah. Had I known, I would have said something but like, Hey, by the way, why don't you hit up Yeah. 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 You'll have to to give him a little tap for me on that one. A little lift tap, yep. <laughs> Give me a little tap later, yeah. It's like a butt on a same Saturday. Yeah, we've That's got a new. wedding, so I'll be, I'll be, just don't get my new uh, rental outfit hurt if you slap me around any, but yeah. <laughs> an usher with don't Roger and, and no, Roger go, Mandy's him. wedding, so it's pretty, Snap the pretty, pretty amazing to yeah. be an usher with the first survivor I ever met, so yeah. Wow, that's big. With Roger, yeah. Yep. 
That's they knew really how to bring big. in the heavy hitters when they went to get ushers. They they were able to get Roger and I, so pretty prestigious names in the Survivor community. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> no doubt. <clears throat> All right, well, are we ready to close it up for the night? For sure, and I can't wait to see that uh, or hear that soundbite in future episodes. So, yay, looking forward to it. All right, well, I'll get to work on it and try to get that uh, fixed up. I'm not sure how long. I don't know that I'll have it ready for next week, but I'll get to work on it and uh, see if I can get somebody to get that done for me as soon as I can. And so we'll have that to play for future episodes. And I'm so glad that you got that interview. That was really cool. I I didn't even know about it, so I'm going to go and listen to it now. Um, but I want to remind everybody to join us for Manic Monday with Michelle Costa on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, and then back here again on Thursday for Mike on the Mic with Mike Albright. And he always has great special guests, so make sure you join us. Isabel, thank you so much for calling in tonight. It was a pleasure talking to you. You're welcome, and you too. Thank you so much, dear. It was great to talk to you. You're (laughs) welcome. We're going to wrap tonight's show up with Ron, as we always do. Everybody have a great weekend. Here's Ron to take us out for tonight. I want to finish off the show with a little music and say to all my listeners, thank you guys, and thank you all for coming in. bless you and thank you for listening to the show and it was a great one it's always a great one with Mike on the mic say good night Mike good night Mike <laughs> all right everybody have a great weekend out there be kind to each other and make sure you join us next week that's a wrap good night all <laughs>